Locked On NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we will go to Portland to speak with Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers about the Blazers' push for the playoffs, the form of Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, and Gary Trent. We then go to Dallas to speak with Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks about Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and the Mavericks likely being the 17. And lastly, we go to Denver to speak with Adam Murrays of Locked On Nuggets about the form of Michael Porter Jr. and the troubling injuries for Gary Harris and Will Barton. It's all coming up. The bigger stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd, also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble. We're getting towards the end here. One week to go of the regular season restart in the NBA bubble. Been some huge performances, some surprising performances. So we're going to touch on a few of those here in today's show. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Blazers podcast. Mike Richmond is here with me. Portland, uh, surging at the moment, Mike, towards either the playoffs or the play-in game, where we're recording this just before their game on Sunday. So, you know, let's where what do they need to do in these remaining games um, to get into the playoffs? And you know, what, what's the most likely scenario for this team at the moment? Well, the the simple math is just keep winning. If they if they can win today, they'll eliminate some of the bottom teams in the West, and it'll be a little bit clearer. You know they'll basically be down to four teams chasing this eighth spot. So just win is what they need to do. Um, I think the most likely scenario, since since they lost a game to the Clippers, that the Clippers weren't particularly interested in winning, but still managed to do so, is that they're going to end up if they if they get there, they're going to end up in ninth and in the play-in game. I think a play-in game is all but guaranteed, and the Blazers' chances of climbing to eighth are very very slim now. So it does seem that that's you know, where they're going to to land in that ninth spot. But with the way that they're playing, they're clearly outplaying the Memphis Grizzlies. The New Orleans Pelicans, I think, are eliminated now as well. And then you've got like the, the Suns who just keep on winning uh, and the Spurs who've been pretty successful there too. So you'd have to give Portland a pretty significant chance of being able to win those two against Memphis at, at this stage. I would. I think um, even heading into the bubble, I said that the, the Blazers' chances are because they have the best player or the best single player player of anyone chasing the eighth seed and, and despite a kind of a down performance against uh, Los Angeles Damian Lillard has looked really really good in Orlando yeah so and Lillard is playing like a, a ton of minutes but he's also doing things not that we haven't seen because we've seen him go out there and, and hit a bunch of threes but his assist rate is through the roof at the moment yeah, that's cool. 45 and 10, and you didn't even feel the 10 assists. And that was after a 12 assist game earlier in the week. He's he's just the chess master right now. Like he really is just reading the floor and reading double teams and then the second layer defense in a way that he uh, he really hasn't done in the past. Yeah, and I think yeah, having that statement of him being the best player out of these group of guys or these group of teams trying still to fight is really important and it appears that way. Now, I had significant concerns with how this team would defend over at the three with no Trevor Ariza and Mallow uh, manning that position. And Mallow's form, I think it's fair to say, has been up and down. But when he is down, 
There's someone who stepped up in a huge, huge way. Gary Trent Jr. has been massive for this team. Yeah, Fly Fieri, the man wearing <laughs> uh, Guy Fieri fits, and then on the court just just going nuts. He's he's he has played better than I thought he would ever be capable of in his career. I'll just I'll, I will I did not think that we would see this type of performance out of him. He's shooting. 60% from three. He's taking the toughest defensive assignment. He just, he has just played on a level I didn't think he would ever get to. And he sustained it for the you know first 10 days down Orlando. He's averaging somehow over 20 points per game before Sunday's game, hitting almost six threes a game. And as you said, shooting a ridiculous 62%. Now we all know that that's not going to stick. He's not going to shoot at this level. He's had some pretty good defensive moments as well. And you know, in those times where Mallow struggles, they can put him in there with that three-guard lineup and then close games that way. And it is working really well. But let's let's touch on the guys who we didn't see all season. Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. Nurkic is here. He's playing more minutes than he played before his injury. And he's dominating. He's averaging almost 20 and 11 Two and a half blocks, one and a half steals, over five assists. He looks like, not only does he look like the same player that he was before he broke his leg, somehow he looks better and not marginally better, like significantly better. Yeah, he's he's just, it's like the year he missed away that he wasn't nursing a broken leg. He was just somehow sharpening his tool set because he's, like you said, he's better. He, he was, when he got hurt, for my money, one of the 30 best players in the league. I thought he was fantastic that season, and he was the Blazers' second best player at the time, I e- believe, easily when he got hurt. Player. Yeah, like he was just so good, and he's better than that now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fulcrum of the offense as a distributor. He's the anchor defensively. He's um, You can throw it in, to him in the post a little bit. Uh, he's takes and misses some three-pointers from time to time, but he's been fantastic. Uh, better than, he certainly outperformed, particularly on offense, my expectations for him. Yeah, look, this, these numbers are crazy from Nurkic. He's putting up huge numbers, huge minutes. Of course, Portland needs to win every game, so they're really pushing everybody. But the guy who was the 31-minute-a-night starting center is an afterthought. Hassan Whiteside's barely playing. He's getting, they're not playing together. He, I thought maybe they'd be you know, doing 24, 24-minute splits, easing Nurkic back in, but no, it's like Whiteside is just a backup center at this point. Has How has he handled that? Because he's has not always been known as the most team-friendly player. He's now dealing with a hip strain, apparently. Has there been any rumblings about um, him not being pleased with this? Uh, you'd say he's pretty obviously out of Portland next season. Yeah, I think this is this is the writing on the wall. He's not going to re-sign for a 16-minute-a-night gig. It just doesn't make sense for him where he's at in his career. So this enjoy the final days of the of the Hassan Whiteside experiment. There are no rumblings about him, uh, like personally, take not enjoying it. Um, we can all make our own assumptions whether he he likes being a backup or not after what he did for them during the regular season in terms of workload. Um, but he hasn't been very good. He's basically had one good game. Uh, he played really well against the small. He played really well against Jeff Green at center. And if he doesn't play against a Jeff Green at center, he has not had uh, really nice games. He's had a couple of nice plus minus nights because Damian Lillard happens to hit three pointers when he's on the court. But he just doesn't look in a small minute role. He just hasn't. His production hasn't translated the same way. So Portland's got the three games left. They're playing Philadelphia on Sunday, and they have Dallas on Tuesday, who's locked into their seating in the seventh spot. And then they finish off with Brooklyn, who is. I don't even know what sort of team they're going to be throwing out there. So I guess it's, you know, and this is Philadelphia, of course, without Ben Simmons. There's a realistic chance Portland can you know, go 3-0 and here uh, through these uh, last three games. 
and push them really in line for some uh, for some big playoff games and uh, play-in games. And they look to be like they're super fun to watch at the moment. And that's that's massive for this team that has had so many struggles through the season. And you just look at their record and go, yeah, how did they get to this level? But getting guys like Nurkic and uh, and Collins back, and then the ascension of Trent and and playing your best players all of the minutes, I guess helps there as yeah, well. Exactly. Only play seven guys. That's yeah. the trick. Play the only guys, only the guys that are good, and play them a lot. And that's working really well for Portland. So, Mike, anything that does go on with the Blazers, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Blazers after Sunday's game and for the remaining two games, and then hopefully a few more. Thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Thanks for having me, Josh. Nobody can look look you in the eye with a straight face and say that they're feeling good at the moment or they're feeling great about things. Everybody's got things going on in their life. Stress levels are high. People have sore joints. There's always something going on. So it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend up to eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs the support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer, they're offering all their listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Now, let's go to Dallas to speak with Nick Angstat of Locked On Mavericks. The Mavericks, Nick, before we get into the real meat of what we're going to talk about, the Mavericks, they're pretty much locked in here to the seven seed in the uh, in, for the NBA playoffs and look set for a showdown against the Clippers. Yeah, they are. There, there's some scenarios where, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, they can move up and down depending on who, you know, base, Mavericks would basically have to win out. Uh, but there's some there's some scenarios with OKC, Houston, and especially the Jazz where they can move up. But yeah, it seems at this point like they're going to stay at seven and play the Clippers in the, the first round. And um, uh, we've spoken about before that maybe the Clippers isn't the greatest matchup for them. They've already lost uh, by 15 to the Clippers here in the restart. Um, but there's no real way to to avoid that. Is, is there any um, is there any ideas of what they can do, or is it just sort of well, this is our fate, and we've got to try and just make make do and maybe steal a game or two here? Yeah, I think the fate is sort of sealed. I mean, the Clippers are just so talented. You saw it in the game that you mentioned against, you know, the Clippers in the bubble where the Mavericks actually were in that game all the way up until the last three minutes of the game, basically. They were back and forth with the Clippers. They were playing them well. They were, you know, doing a lot of things that were, were I considered positive. And then they just completely blew the game at the end. And the Clippers just totally took over. Kawhi is just so good. And the Mavericks... You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., and even Luca himself guarded him, and they just don't have an answer for him, right? And when those guys are going, and that game specifically was without – the Clippers were without Patrick Beverly in that game and Montrez Harrell still, which they're still without him. But Lou, Lou Williams didn't play that well. You know, Paul George really didn't play that well. I mean, this team is just so good. If the Mavericks can steal a couple games away from them, I think it would be super positive. Some people have even said that, you know, if the Clippers blow the doors off the Mavericks in the first round, then it would actually motivate the Mavericks more to go into the offseason, work on some of the things they really need to work on and see what a real, you know, contender team looks like in the NBA and to get that real up close experience, you know, in a four or five game series, depending on how long it goes. So the Mavericks win a couple games. I would take that as a huge positive. If they win the series, I mean, something has 
happened, right? Something, yes. something wrong has happened. So that's, I think, where the Mavericks are and what their expectations are at. So we talked about the, the Mavericks maybe getting out of that seventh seed and, yeah, the Jazz would be the team that they probably would have to catch. But their next game is against Utah and they're going to be playing that game without Luka Doncic, without Kristaps Porzingis and without Dorian Finney-Smith. So it's safe to say that they're uh, they're staying in the seventh seed at this point. But let's talk about that man who has been so good. Luka Doncic is, uh, is unbelievable. He is averaging 33, 12, and 12. He's hitting two and a half threes a game. He's hitting those at only 30%. So there is room for improvement. His free throws have gone back up, which uh, trailed off at the end of the season. He's uh, 48% shooting overall. He has been dominating. I think that's a fair fair word to say at the age of 21. Is there anything that I could say? Am I, am I missing something here? But Because he, he's been unbelievable for this team. He's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, even Rick Carlisle mentioned recently after the loss of the Clippers that Luca's playing some of his best defense of his career in the bubble. Yep. I mean, if you want to, if we want to just keep spreading out our compliments to Luca and his game, I mean, he's just been, you know, incredible in all facets, really. And maybe Carlisle saying that was just Luca finally tried on defense, and that's why it's the best defense of his career. But yeah, he's he, it's completely um, man. It's it's wild to see just the difference between the start of his career until now. He's just he's exceeded all of our expectations so much he's a finalist for most improved player i think on the lockdown mavericks podcast we're gonna have a pretty big argument about why luca should be most improved player and why it's ridiculous that anybody else should be considered for the award uh jared dudley on twitter disagreed with me on that point but yeah i mean he's you're you're not missing anything what you see is what you get with luca he's doing all the things all the stats kind of tell uh and show how you know how well he's playing and it's not like he's putting up bad st- or good stats on a bad team either right this Mavericks team has struggled in the bubble a little bit here and there but he's everything he's done has gotten the Mavericks to this point and ha- no one else has really been picking up slack for him so it'll depend on the other players to step up instead yeah. of uh you know Luca just you know doing everything for this team but he is doing everything for the team right now yeah well that's that's exactly what's happening he is doing absolutely everything at, at this point like he, usage is high look but i think that one of the more encouraging things to move off luca marginally is that we saw early in this season there was some clunkiness between Doncic and porzingis we'd see when Doncic would go out porzingis would go bananas we'd see his usage go up and he put up big numbers and then a little sample just before the season shut down of those two playing together and putting up big numbers together and now it's happening every game Porzingis is averaging, look, I said Luca's averaging 33. Porzingis is averaging 29 and 10 with two two threes and one and a half blocks. So he is, and he's getting to the line 10 times a game somehow, Porzingis. So these two guys are doing it together. They've found the recipe. Like these are our two guys. They do, they do everything on offense together. And then these other guys around us, you know, even Tim Hardaway's you know, usage is down. You've got Darren Finney-Smith, who's a low usage guy, even though he's had a couple of 20-point games somehow. Um, they've found that formula to get, these are our two guys. Everything goes through them and they are working together I wouldn't say seamlessly, but it's a lot closer to seamlessly than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's not seamlessly. You know, there there are still some things they're going to work on. I mean, Luca's 21, Porzingis just turned 25. So, you know, there's a long way to go with these guys. They're signed to, to longer term deals. So they're the future. You know, I think Mark Cuban, when they got Porzingis said, these are our stars for the next 20 years. And I don't know if both of those guys will be around that long, especially Porzingis, but these are the two guys, and I've been really encouraged, especially in the bubble, and then even right before, towards the end, uh, you know, of the the regular regular season, like the first part of the regular season. What are we calling that? I don't yeah, know if we a, decided exactly. I don't know. It's regular season one point zero. Yeah, regular regular season one point Porzingis really has accepted his role as okay. When Luca's in, I'm the second option, right? I'm the yep. guy that's going to play off of him. I'm going to be complimentary to him. He really had to figure out what that is 
he's never really played with somebody like that. When he played with Carmelo in New York, it was like, okay, uh, I'm out here. I'm not really sure exactly what my role is, but I'm going to score whenever I can. Uh, Cause that's what Melo does, right? That was kind of his thing. And then uh, when Melo was gone, it was just like, he was the number one option, no matter what he was the future, all that. Then he comes to, to Dallas, plays the best player he's ever played with. And Luca, he has to change a lot of what he does. And so he's adjusted to that. But then when Luca's off the floor, he's the number one option. The offense has to go through him. And I think this bubble has been really good for that. And we're seeing his scoring pickup. We're seeing him be more aggressive. We're seeing him, you know, work on the, the mid-range jumper, which I think is huge for this Mavericks team to win the playoffs eventually. He's just been working on all those facets and shooting the ball decently well, scoring, you know, he's been scoring well. You see his average. And uh, I think that that combination is just, that's what this whole season is about. That's what I've said this whole, this whole year. It's about Luca and Porzingis figuring out that a dynamic between the two of them, learning how to work well together and then taking that into the future. That's what this whole season has been about. Yeah. And it is great to see that, that stuff coming together uh, at the moment. And I, I just had a quick look at that. Porzingis's usage when Doncic is off the court is 42%. It's actually, it's over 42%. Yeah. And he's got a true shooting of 61 uh, in that time there. So as you said, like, Sitting back when Luca's off, taking over when well, so sitting back when Luca's on, taking over when Luca's off, and it is really working in terms of those two guys together. Um, Seth Curry has missed a couple of games here with that leg soreness, but he did return and play 19 minutes against the Bucks. Is it that was just really precautionary? I'm, guess, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean soreness. I, I take that as just precautionary. He played in the in the Bucks game, played about 20 minutes, like you said. So he's back. He's probable in their game on Monday against the Jazz. By the time you're listening, you might know or not if he played. But, yeah, I think it's just precautionary. Carlisle has said if there is, you know, with these seeding games, if there's an option for us to err on the side of caution with players, then they will. So I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to over overrun any of these players to, uh, to go out and play if they're dealing with some kind of, you know, injury like that. So I think it was just precautionary for Seth Curry. So the Mavericks have two games or three games left. They've got the Jazz, and then it's a back-to-back on uh, Tuesday against the Blazers, and I guess that's why we're getting uh, Porzingis and Doncic sitting out on the Monday, just because it is the back-to-back, and they finish off against the Rampaging Suns. But it's all going to come down to the playoffs for this Mavericks team because they're sort of set at the moment. Nick, you're going to have it all for us over on Locked on Mavericks. Thanks for coming on Locked on NBA with me. Absolutely. Check out every single post game we will have on Locked on Mavs. You can follow us at Locked on Mavs on Twitter. Why would you go to a local auto store to go and spend more money and waste your time getting parts for your car? RockAuto.com, it's the answer to all of your dreams. Instead of going there, having the salesman have to look up what parts you need, order them in, and then charge you an exorbitant price because these stores, they have different prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. But you, as a do-it-yourselfer, why do you want to pay more money? You don't want to and you don't have to because you can do it now at rockauto.com. At rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto.com. Now we talk to the host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast, Adam Mares is here with me. Adam, 
The Nuggets, as we currently speak, are sitting in the three seed. They are one game behind the Clippers. They have three games in hand with one of those games coming against the Clippers. They've got a Lakers game and a Raptors game. So a pretty tough schedule here. They still remain banged up. How hard do you think Malone is going to be pushing to, to get into that two seed spot? Not hard at all. In fact, Denver's already sort of purposefully dropped dropped one game against Portland um, earlier this week, or I guess it would be last week. Denver had a one-point lead in halfway through the fourth quarter, a little bit more than halfway through the fourth quarter, elected not to play Jokic the final 16 minutes of the fourth. Millsap set out, no Jamal Murray, obviously no Gary Harris, Will Barton. Denver actually put uh, Bull Bull, his first official NBA minutes were against Portland, with six minutes to go in a game that was a one-point game. So Denver, I think for all intents and purposes, threw that game or did not try to win that game. And that game could have easily placed them into the two-seed. That, that very much, uh, very possibly would have been the game that would have determined the two-seed, three-seed, or four-seed. And they just didn't seem to care. So I don't think they really care about what seed they get. I think they're more about staying healthy. They've obviously been so banged up. And I think establishing a rhythm with Michael Porter Jr., who has become such a central part of their team. You talked about the injuries, and that's something I wanted to mention here. Jamal Murray did make his first appearance of the season in the last game, played a lot more minutes than I thought for a guy that hadn't played coming off a hamstring injury. But we're still waiting on Will Barden and Gary Harris. They are out again Monday against the Lakers. They played in a scrimmage game, um, but then haven't played in any of the regular season games. What's the update? What's going on with those guys? Well, it's kind of difficult. I mean, especially given the circumstances with the bubble, the Nuggets have been tight-lipped about those injuries. Will Barton did participate in one of the scrimmages, so you thought, okay, maybe he's close, but then hasn't played since. Um, my hunch is that Gary Harris, I, I would kind of be surprised if he was back anytime soon. Will Barton, uh, Gary Harris, by the way, a hip injury. He's had a history of hip injuries and sort of those core muscle injuries. Will Barton, it was, uh, we're told, a knee injury. I, Will Barton, given that he played once, I'm guessing that it didn't go quite as as well as he hoped, and so they're being extra cautious with him. So I think his return maybe is a little bit more soon. But we really just haven't heard anything definitive about either of those two players. Now, of course, with both of these guys out, Michael Porter Jr. has been given an opportunity to start and to flourish and to have a high usage role, and he has taken that grasp of that fully. As so much so that, and you can correct me if I'm off base here, I am, I am pretty sure they'll continue to start him even when both of those guys are back. I don't know at the expense of who, but I feel pretty confident that they're going to continue with Porter in that position. Is, is that how you see it? It is how I see it, though I can't be certain. I thought, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has been a breakout star of, of the bubble, to your point. But in January, when Denver was dealing with a lot of injuries, I thought Michael Porter was a breakout star then. Um, similar efficiency, a little bit lower middle, minute total. I think he was playing somewhere around 20, 25 minutes. But he was performing sort of like he is now, just on a fewer minutes, and, and maybe they ran a few less plays, integrated him less to the offense. But he looked fantastic, and he absolutely looked like a starter. But then, of course, he didn't continue to start once everybody got healthy. I think it's different this time. Denver has really sort of built their offense a lot more around him, involved him a lot more in their actions. And let's be honest, he's looked like one of their three best players over this first five games of the bubble. So I do suspect that he will continue to start. But I also think it'll be a little bit of a moot point. We, there are only three games left of the seeding games. Even should Barton and Gary Harris return, you have to imagine that you're getting kind of late and close to the playoffs now that uh, you might not want to kind of rock the boat and, and 
force Gary Harris or Will Barton back into starters minutes right off of the bat. So I think I think Michael Porter is going to continue to start and continue to play a lot of minutes. The interesting thing here with Porter, he's averaging almost 26 points a game, 10 rebounds over three threes. He's got a true shooting of 69%. He's missed like one free throw, I think, through all the five games, hitting him 96%. Um, we look at him as a young star because he is, but he's only a year and a half younger than Jamal Murray, who now feels more like an established veteran. And he's still really, really young. We've seen one game of Porter playing at this level of Porter alongside Murray. So Murray's always been that second guy next to Jokic. So how does that sort of start to fit in now? How will will Murray become a third guy? Like how is that dynamic? Or how did it look in that one game? And how can you see that evolving? Because the, the Jokic-Porter combination has looked yeah. sensational so far. Yeah, Jokic and Porter really have a great chemistry, but of course, so does Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And what we saw in Jamal Murray's one game, this most recent game, was down the stretch, really throughout the game, but especially down the stretch, the Denver Nuggets went to the Jamal Murray-Nikola Jokic two-man game, that pick and roll. I think it's going to continue to be the staple, and I think Michael Porter, while he's really talented and might be the second most or even first most talented player on this roster, probably second most he still just doesn't have the experience and familiarity and, and all those things as a, as a Jamal Murray. So I think he fits in around those guys. But what's nice for Denver and what I think is meaningful for Denver is one of those three guys is going to be on the court at all times and likely two of them are going to be on the court at all times at least. And, and that's something that Denver was really lacking in the regular season, a sort of go-to score when one of Jamal Murray or when Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic were on the bench together and Denver's bench really suffered. So I do think Jamal Murray will become sort of a third option in the starting unit, but he's going to be the first or second option a lot in some of the staggered lineups. And I think what that also will uh, allow is Will Barton to perhaps, I don't know if he will, but perhaps he moves back into that sixth man role that he was so good at a few years ago where he can run the offense, have the ball in his hands yeah, a lot more than what he does when he's playing as a third or fourth offensive option with that starting group. So that gives that extra extra guy in that bench group as well. It, look, it might be Harris that moves to, to the bench, but I think to me it would make more sense to have Barton playing that sixth man role, still playing maybe more minutes than Harris, but having a little bit more uh, freedom for himself when we get into the playoffs to be able to you know, create uh, create shots for himself and create shots for others. But that, of course, remains to be seen. Adam, anything going on with the Nuggets? You'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Nuggets. Thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Thank you for having me on. And that does it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. A great way of helping out the show, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.